Hi everyone, welcome or welcome back to the United Citizens of Europe podcast. This is Luca and today we're going to discuss about what is going on in Italy, its new governmental crisis, and we're also going to discuss a bit about Italy's foreign policy. We're going to mention Italy's presidency in the G20 and how to maintain a good international reputation even though you change government constantly. Uh, in this episode, we're going to have three special guests. The first guest is going to be Marcello Crecco. The second guest is Matteo Sgubi. And then we saved Bass for Last and we have professor and former diplomat Guido Lenzi. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Hi, Marcello. Before we start the interview, why don't you tell us a bit about you? Yes. Hello, everyone. And first of all, thank you so much, Luca, for having me on your podcast. My name is Marcello. I live in Rome. And I am a student of international relations at Sapienza University of Rome. It takes us to what's going on today. You study in Rome. You're from Rome as well, right? Yeah, yeah yes, I'm from Rome. And everything is happening in Rome. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, let's. why don't you tell us what's going on in Italy? Yes, of course. Actually, it's happening a, a really big mess. Uh, it happened that what all analysts had suspected for a month has come true. Uh, yesterday, former Prime Minister Renzi withdrew his two ministers from the government and officially kicking off the umpteenth Italy's government crisis. Uh, just think that this is the 72nd governmental crisis in 72 years. So on average, we have one political crisis each year. Uh, that's why abroad Italy has this reputation for being such a politically unstable country. Uh, during the press conference, uh, Renzi preferred to make a long list of things that he doesn't like in, in the current government, rather than explain the possible strategies or division of his party. Uh, so former PM Renzi has been showing signs of intolerance and dissatisfaction within the government for several months. And in recent days, he has been on many talk shows uh, publicly criticizing the government. He himself contributed to form in September uh, 2019 and frankly, often he still boasts of having brought down the previous populist government. Yeah, but he, again, he is part of the new government. Like, not physically, like he's not really part of the new government as himself. But as you said before, he has two ministers from his party. Yes, that, yeah. Um, that are part of the uh, of the government. So, can we just to be more broad, uh, in case the uh, the audience doesn't know, like, can you explain a bit how the government in Italy is formed? Because right now you're, we're talking about this uh, this government that has two ministers, which is the uh, Renzi's party, which is called Italia Viva. But there are other um, other parties in yes, this government. They, can we they, can can you please tell us a bit like uh, which are the parts uh, that are composing this government? Yes, of course. Uh, so the current uh, Italian government is uh, composed by a coalition, a ruling coalition, which is uh, something very common to Italian politics. Uh, the current Coalition is formed by the Democratic Party, which is the biggest left, uh, center-left winged uh, party, and the Five Star Movement, which is an anti-establishment or populist centrist party, and uh, a minor party, which is called um, Free and Equal, which is a left-wing um, uh, party. So, and the fourth party is, as you uh, said, Italia Viva, which is a center uh, party, and is the, the political party that Renzi created and founded one month 
after he contributed to former the the current government uh, which was in september 2019 yeah the the uh, current coalition is formed by four parties and again you said that like uh renzi helped forming this this coalition but again before this coalition there was still another government still led by conte uh with conte as a uh, prime minister but it was a completely different uh different government because right now you said that um basically most of the parties are either uh center or center left whereas yeah. before it was um a center right wing party right yes uh let's start by saying that conte's political experience is certainly unprecedented uh, from many points of view um he was a university professor of private law uh, with no previous political experience at all and was proposed as prime minister uh, by the five star movement in june uh, 2018 uh, as already mentioned conte's first government was openly eurosceptic and and carry out a very tough policy on immigration because it was a two party coalition composed by the five star movement and the lega or in english the league which is the biggest uh, party of of the right wing indeed in that period he showed a political weakness towards former minister of the interior and leader of the league salvini after a contest for government fell and as a, as i already mentioned um, renzi was the one who favored the the setup of a government between the democratic party and the five star movement then um, renzi uh, contributed to uh, create the second contest government widening the parties in the ruling coalition because as i said he created his own party after the inauguration of the second contest government which is very unusual very uncommon in in the italian politics and this is possible because our constitution says that there can be multiple government during the same legislature so the essential condition is that there must always be a relationship based on the vote of confidence between the houses of parliament and the government but there's absolutely absolutely no limit at how many governments can be there can be um, in same legislature yeah uh, and we're talking a lot about uh, coalitions but why are coalitions so important in the italian context oh that's a really good question uh, italy is a parliamentary uh, republic Uh, our constitution says that the electoral body vote for the renewal of both houses of parliament every five years. So Italian politics uh, are historically fragmented into many parties. Uh, we also have a low threshold. Currently, it's around 3%. That doesn't ensure a solid governance. Uh, so that is why every major party needs at least one or more minor parties in order to form a coalition able to obtain an overall majority in both houses of parliament it's important to emphasize uh, that italy adopted a unique political system the so-called perfect bicameral system which basically means that each house has similar powers and each has the authority to amend or block the other legislative initiatives yeah i mean it, it sounds crazy maybe for um for other uh for people outside like for people abroad but we also have to say that you know like this kind of uh system was adopted like our constitution was written like after uh, world war ii so of course like we needed like let's say yeah. to be extra careful for um every law that was passing <laughs> so basically um it, it's uh it's basically like um 
how's it called? Like the double security check that your phone yeah, has. For everybody. Yeah. So like that's that's kind of like the same uh, the same mentality that let's say founding fathers, the people that wrote the constitutions, had in mind uh, even before having uh, smartphones. So that was that was a smart move. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So now let's go back to to what happened. So two ministers of Italia Viva resigned. So two people from uh, two ministers from Renzi's party uh, resign as ministers. Yes. So what's going to happen next? Like, what are the uh, possible future um, situations that might happen? Well, uh, let's say that this is surely a one million dollar question. Um, well, at the moment uh, there are several options and no one knows actually for sure what the head of state uh, president mattarella uh, will choose to do uh, first of all um, conte will almost certainly go uh, to the parliament asking asking for a vote of confidence um, already some mps of the so-called mixed group uh, which is something very italian uh, is the group of mps who left the party which um, with which they were elected have made it known that they could vote for for confidence, but there's nothing sure, there's nothing that we can say with certainty. Uh, another valid option is that Conte resigns uh, and president, the head of state, Mattarella, uh, finds another uh, prime minister with the same majority, therefore also with Italia Viva. And, and there are several names of possible new prime ministers. Uh, they are all highly honorable and, and very respected people that would be a guarantee to lead the country in this moment of enormous hardship, because don't forget that Italy is facing a, a severe um, health crisis and economic crisis. We are in the middle of a pandemic and we are entering the third wave of this, uh, of this pandemic. So, and two names above all could be, but again, there's nothing for sure, could be Mario Draghi, uh, the former president of the European Central Bank, and Marta Cartabia, uh, which is the former president of the Supreme Court. Uh, in, if none of these options uh, actually uh, are, will work, uh, the most extreme option uh, in, in case of no political agreement is uh, that of early elections. Uh, but at the moment, it seems that uh, this, uh, this is an option that everyone would like to avoid. Because as I already said, we are in the middle of a pandemic and there are a lot of health uh, risks that that electors, um, uh, voters uh, could could um, have. So, yeah, one of the things is that statistics give the uh, right. Well, actually, let's let's call them like far right. Most of the votes. So, if in case Italy goes to election, um, Salvini and Meloni's parties are going to uh, to have most of the votes. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like so. What what would happen? Uh, what could happen then? Like with because the, I think we uh, may, maybe we should clarify like the reason why the um, the ministers of Italia Viva left like resigned. Uh, what was the the main cause that well um, sparked all this conversation? Let's say that uh, the main reason that uh, Renzi told us yesterday during the press conference is that there are uh, a lot of differences of, of perspective as he said uh, for what concerns the the government and how the government is supposed to spend the huge amount of money uh, from the next generation eu uh, so this is basically the main option uh, the, the main reason that Renzi told but uh, once again uh, there's nothing sure there's, there's nothing that we can say with certainty because uh, 
as I said, the option of early election is at this moment uh, highly, highly uh, unprobable because no, no, no one likes uh, to go back to, to early elections. But as you said, uh, there is a coalition, the, the far-right coalition, which is composed by basically three parties, the Berlusconi's party, which is a center-center-right party called Forza Italia. And then we have the two major uh, parties of the coalition, which is the already mentioned Lega, which is the Salvini's party, and uh, Fratelli d'Italia, it's Brothers of Italy, uh, which is uh, a, a party that is, is growing very fast. It's growing very fast and it's growing a lot. And basically every single poll says that if we vote uh, today uh, or in the in the next month, uh, the far right coalition uh, would win with ev with uh, every every possibility and under any electoral law. Uh, so they have like 48, 49 percent of votes. So if we voted today, Italy would have, without any doubt, a far right government. But it would mean that Italy would have to um, give to the hands of your skeptics the possibility to to decide what to do with EU money. Uh, yes, you're absolutely right, uh, because um, Italy uh, in March, April is going to receive the first part of the, um, uh, the EU budget that was created, that was set up uh, to recover from the pandemic. So yes, if we voted today and and if we, we had a far-right government, it would be a big problem for Italy and it would be a big issue for the entire European Union because Italy, which is the third largest economy in the UN, which is one of the founding countries of the European Union, would have uh, a far-right government that would have, without any doubt, an overall majority in both houses of the parliament. That's really a big risk. Yeah. Okay, I think I I asked you all the questions. I really enjoyed this conversation and thank you again for having me on your podcast. <laughs> thank you. Bye. Bye. Bye, everyone. Ciao, Matteo. How are Ciao, you? Luca. Fine, thanks. Okay, so uh, before starting the interview, I wanted you to introduce yourself a little bit. Okay, thank you for this opportunity. Uh, I'm Matteo Sgubbi, I'm from Imola uh, near Bologna and I live there. Currently I am attending the last year of the master's degree in diplomatic affairs for political and security at the University of Bologna. Uh, let's start talking about what happened in, uh, in Italy, uh, specifically the two ministers of Italia Viva, so Renzi's party, that resigned. Why did they resign? Okay, it is important to remember that the resignation of a minister does not entail the uh, fall of the entire government. Government In Italy, the government crisis occurs when the prime minister uh, does not receive sufficient votes for, of confidence in parliament or when he resigns. In this case, the members of Italia Viva in uh, government resigned because they disagreed on certain issues. Italia Viva criticizes the behavior and the management by Prime Minister Conte on some dossier. Uh, first, uh, mm, the management of the pandemic, and secondly, the plan to spend the funds of the next generation EU. Moreover, further issues that have caused disagreement on the uh, part of Italia Viva and part of the Democratic Party. Uh, concerned the delegation on the um, secret services, the reform of the uh, statute of uh, limitation, the economic measures taken to cope with the post-pandemic economic crisis, and also the 
communication and the legislative method used by President Conte and his staff. It is out of the cornerstones of democracy to think of governing uh, the eighth uh, um, country of the world through administrative acts, the so-called decrees of the President of the um, Council, or using press conferences with uh, unified channels only to increase personal consensus not to mention the administrative management of the first part of the pandemic and the va vaccination campaign. So you're, what you're telling me is basically that it was not really an overnight decision, but there were some problems before. Yes, this is not a last mi minute decision, but it is uh, from the beginning of the 2020 that Italia Viva and other members uh, of the Democratic Party criticized the way uh, the government acts, uh, of which they are the majority. Uh, the Prime Minister underestimated everything and everyone, not just uh, Matteo Renzi. Uh, the government had been facing problems for months. Uh, if it hadn't been for the tragedy of the pandemic, this government would have fallen last spring. Uh, the current pandemic had worked uh, as a political glue in an absolute emergency phase, and therefore Conte and the government have banned the entire action on his executive on the health emergency. For this reason, Conte underestimated everything and everyone because in the awareness of being the lowest common denominator of an unnatural alliance in which the sum of weaknesses did not make a strength, in which he represented in reality the only point of synthesis, he didn't listen to the calls uh, on the need to accelerate to make a stronger and more incisive uh, uh, government action. Despite this, Conte continued with his attitude of postponing the problems, causing them to become gangrenous and finally explode. And this is the current situation. As I said, it is from the beginning of uh, the past year that Renzi and Italia Viva raised questions of merit um, regarding the work of the government, starting with the reform of the justice, which risks uh, being a justicialist uh, and liberal tool. Regarding the last period, the disagreement with some members of the government itself and of the majority about the pandemic emergency is deep. Conte, on the one hand, does not understand that uh, for the Italian health system, it is essential to take the um, 37 billions from the European Stability Mechanism. These funds, in fact, concern healthcare and are consequently necessary investment in light of the weaknesses that uh, the pandemic has caused. For the um, Five Star Movement, on the other hand, mass is not needed. Uh, minister Speranza, the health minister, however, would like to invest around 70 billion in healthcare. On the contrary, many local administrations, administrators and uh, regional presidents uh, from all over Italy have asked the, the parliament and the government to decide on the use of the European Stability Mechanism, which offers a loan for immediate investments to zero rate for strengthening uh, of national health systems. Therefore, but, it is unjustifiable and irresponsible not to make the European Stability Mechanism a tool or even a single part of it for ideological reasons. And if you let me, last but not least, it is unthinkable that the government decides to allocate more funds for the cashless bonus than funds uh, for the revival of youth employment. If the, the visions 
of how the Italy of the future should be are so different, it is consistent that Italia Viva decides not to be part of uh, this loss of opportunity, where there is uh, a willingness to collaborate and listen to each other, to take advantage of all the opportunity that this, this emergency puts before us. Italia Viva is willing to be part of it, but when there are no assumptions of a shared direction, then we do not want to be accomplices of this uh, crimes, if we can call uh, like this, against the generations of tomorrow. But one of the things is that, you know, like, uh, there's still like a governmental crisis during a pandemic, and that's something that was a bit criticized, of course. Yes, um, some people criticize the moment of this uh, yeah. political crisis, but I do think that uh, there is no perfect moment for a government crisis. When you are in emergency, you should uh, wish that uh, the administration of the emergency is uh, being taken by the best people uh, in the country. So if at the moment there are not the best people, uh, it, is the, uh, it is the best moment to change them. But some people also uh, criticized the condescending way in which Renzi's acted with two ministers, because we have to say these two ministers are um, women, and he defined, he described uh, these two ministers as his ministers, whereas, like, you know, they are ministers of the people, they should, they should be at least, uh, and, or, you know, if you want to talk about, like, his, uh, as in, like, they are part of his party, but not, like, you know, his personal ministers. And then, like, another thing that was criticized, again, was also, like, the way he was touchy with Minister Bellanova, again, in a very condescending way. This was also, like, also his kind of communication strategy was was also, like, not that well thought out. And um, I'm really not, not a fan of the way everything, like, was portrayed. What do yeah. you think about it? I absolutely do not think that the ways uh, Materenzi used the, in the press conference were sexist. It is evident that when a person personally funds a new party and is followed by friends, he ends up saying that as a leader and as the founder of that party, the ministers are his ministers because the party is his personal uh, construction. But, of course, uh, Italia Viva is a party with um, many, many personalities all over Italy, even in the local territories. Elena Bonetti and Teresa Balanova and both Ivan Scalforotto are, uh, and Renzi are tied by a deep friendship that is rooted in uh, the depth and that stems from the battles they shared together, even when they were in the Democratic Party and when uh, Renzi was the secretary. Uh, Senator Baranova and Renzi also fought uh, uh, battles during the government from uh, 2014 to 2016, when Matteo Renzi wanted her uh, as the um, subsecretary of state in the Ministry, ministry of Economic Development. And it was Renzi himself who led battles for rights and gender equality. So I do not think that uh, it was <laughs> a sexist uh, press conference or the ways uh, he acted towards Senator Baranova were condescending and so much touching. In reality. Okay. So thank you for your uh, comments and for your analysis. So we're going to go with, um, with the next guest. Thank Bye. you very much, Luca. Thank you. 
Hi, Professor Lenzi. Thank you for accepting our, our interview. And uh, before starting, I wanted to ask you a bit about yourself, uh, where you're from and uh, who, who you are, why I'm calling you professor. Yeah, right. So, no, I am a former diplomat. I retired uh, a few years ago after 43, 44 years in the diplomatic service. I served in uh, various countries from uh, Moscow to New York, from Algiers to London, etc. So I've been around quite a bit, but uh, I consider myself as a, as a, a specialist of multilateral diplomacy, international organizations, basically. You know, those who are uh, 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 still uh, believe still that uh, multilateral diplomacy is, especially nowadays, uh, much more important than bilateral deal making. Huh? You will understand that I am, I am uh, uh, comparing uh, uh, Biden with Trump. Biden, Biden is saying, uh, I want to revert to multilateral diplomacy uh, uh, with Europe, uh, with Asia, and, and with many other countries. Uh, whereas uh, uh, Trump, the only thing that he knew or thought that he knew about was the art of the deal, you know, the one-on-one, -on -one, the, 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 uh, the bilateral relationship confrontation, uh, which, well, is something that, which is something that the diplomat doesn't do for a living. But he, he's an entrepreneur, so maybe that's why he, he yeah, was like this. <laughs> that's, oh, yeah. and that's, and that's why I want to tell you that I, being a diplomat, I am uh, naturally a multilateralist and not an, an, an entrepreneur. My, the task that I had, since we're talking about Italy mainly today, uh, uh, I want to uh, stress that the task that I had abroad, both in bilateral, my bilateral postings in Moscow or, or in London, but also on my multilateral uh, postings in the OSCE, in Vienna, the the European Union in, in, in Paris, etc. I had, I mean, with, the, with an institute in Paris. Uh, uh, my task was to try to explain Italy uh, to my uh, foreign interlocutors. Because Italy has always been an enigma wrapped up in a, in a, in a maze or whatever the definition was of Russia, but a of a different kind, right? So Italy is a country that is still uh, as I used to say, uh, um, um, uh, a country ad adolescent, you know, a teenager country mm -hmm. uh, with respect to France, which has a very old tradition, or with Germany, who has had this Prussian history, Britain has had, uh, Italy is much younger than America, for that matter, as a unified country, some, which is some, something that foreigners do not know because they uh, think of Italy as the uh, successor state to Julius Caesar and the Romans. That is not, <laughs> not, not exactly what happened. Italy, Italy is still a teenager. It's still growing up in, inter in international relations. And just, and just like a teenager, Italy has this kind of burst of, let's say, like, it, it never knows, like, what it wants, if I can say this. And Italy is also not known, kind of like a teenager always changes partner. Italy always changes government. Cannot have, like, a full government for five years yeah. without having too much drama in it. Yeah, yeah that is too simple, uh, I would say, uh, <laughs> um, uh, a, a, a statement. Italy, you must realize that Italy has... Uh, 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 grown, 
uh, ever since it was united 150 or so years ago in the cracks of the foreign policy of others Cavour you know and Giolitti and then even even Mussolini if you want uh, all the way to the Gasperi uh, and so forth Italy always grew uh, and developed its its national identity and its foreign policy that resulted from it in res with respect to the policy the foreign policy the policy that was made by the others which is still which is still what is happening today for 70 years in the post-war years Italy uh, had the two automatic pilots which were the European Union and and NATO and the Atlantic uh, transatlantic relationship so we did what we were told both by the European Union in economic terms and by NATO in uh, security terms uh, even so we didn't have to make up our mind about this or that uh, uh, by the way Italy had uh, domestically had a very uh, a strong uh, communist party 33 percent one Italian out of three voted for the communist party which made it uh, uh, impossible for the PCI, the Communist Party, to come to government. So, you know, it was it, even from the domestic point of view, Italy was never forced to uh, look at itself in the mirror, decide what its uh, national and international interests were. Right? For these, for these two reasons, both domestically and internationally, and uh, which accounts for the fact that even though we had so many different governments. Uh, uh, one every year or so, you know, what, what they call the revolving door uh, 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 politics of Italy. The governments were basically more or less the same uh, because some elements change, which is what is happening basically today with Conte. But in the meantime, this was, this was not very relevant in the past. It has become much more relevant nowadays. Who we are, what we want, uh, we still have to do. Italy has survived in 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 the in the foreign policy issues, and you know it's a we are used to the commedia dell'arte, eh, Luca. You know, Italy commedia dell'arte is a very typical Italian theatrical ploy uh, by which um, uh, you have a given theme, Goldoni and others. You have a given theme, but then the actors make up their uh, uh, their part and their contribution to this uh, as they go along, improvising as they go along. Uh, we had those two uh, 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 rails, as I said, European Union and NATO. Those two uh, uh, boundaries uh, do not exist anymore, and therefore Italy finds itself in a uh, uh, in, 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 in a much more uh, uh, complicated situation nowadays. But um, you said that uh, we have some setting points uh, in uh, foreign policy, as you said, like um, we have the, you define them as automatic pilots, which are the European Union and the NATO. So mm -hmm. what you're saying is, and then you, you define Italy in general as, uh, as an actor of the Comité dell'Arte. So it's just basically the, the, script, is, the script is there. But they just, right. the, uh, just changed the the, um, the flow of the um, of the theater. Right. So you're saying that basically the foreign policy of Italy is more or less always the same. Just stays in the same in the same tracks. It doesn't change, even though parties change and the government changes. But the foreign policy is still the same. 
But nowadays, you know, look, nowadays the tracks that I indicated, the European and the transatlantic one, are not what they were. Because neither the European Union nor NATO or the Atlantic Alliance uh, 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 indicate to us uh, precisely uh, the way in which they want us to behave or to relate to the international uh, uh, connections, partnership, that the European or, or American partnership, which is what accounts for the fact that you have uh, 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 growth in Italy of the anti-European, sovereignist, anti-European um, uh, parties like the uh, Fratelli d'Italia, you know, the Meloni, and uh, Salvini, who say, they stated, just read their, their interviews in the Italian newspapers or on television uh, or on the radio, they continue to say that they, well, you know, Meloni even said a few days ago that she preferred, uh, Biden, she preferred uh, Trump to Biden, uh, which, you know, is, is, is the, doesn't make much sense politically, you know? And let's also, it, let's, also add, let's also add that she said this after commenting the raid in Capitol Hill. Absolutely. That's, that's what makes it worse, I, I would say. But that is the point. So, you know, there are some uh, illogical or, uh, or, or uh, unexpected uh, uh, developments in Italian domestic politics that are uh, worrying. And if you want to go along and discuss the situation with the, with what is yeah. happening with the with the um, uh, Renzi uh, uh, withdrawing from the government, that is what it's all about. Renzi was the one who uh, uh, terminated the first Conte government as, when Salvini said that he was against the European Union. Mm -hmm. and, 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 and Renzi said, okay, we cannot go on like that because we need the recovery fund, because we need the, the, the what's it called, the other one, the stability mechanism and so forth. And we cannot uh, have somebody in the government asking for money from the European Union, stabilization funds and so forth, with somebody in the government, an important part of the, the deputy uh, prime minister of the previous government, uh, declaring that he is against uh, the, the European Union. So Conte was the one who uh, 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 you know, terminated the previous government, and Conte is the one who nowadays, and he said it so as much yesterday, uh, uh, attributed uh, to the hesitancy of the Italian government with respect to the, uh, you know, the, the, the funds request of the funds that we need from the European Union and so forth, uh, attributing to the hesitancy of the, of the government uh, it's uh, his decision to uh, go against it. In other words, I think that, that uh, you know, I have this impression that uh, uh, what Renzi is doing is on behalf, mark my words, on behalf of the Partito Democratico. Uh, why, uh, why because, because the Partito Democratico is the junior partner in the present Conte II government. The main party is the five-star uh, party mm -hmm. in terms of, you know, uh, 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 the popular votes and parliamentary uh, influence. And therefore, the, it is the, the five-star party that decided that is still hesitant about the mess uh, whether we should accept it or not on ideological grounds and so forth, you know, messing up, confusing 
the uh, the identity and the image that Italy projects uh, in, in in Brussels. So uh, Renzi is, in, in a sense, uh, taking the chestnuts out of the fire for the uh, Partito Democratico, you know, uh, contributing to reinforcing the influence of the, indirectly, of course, they're enforcing uh, the, uh, the influence of the PD in the government. Secondly, another important thing, Renzi has been saying yesterday and continues has been saying this for months, uh, uh, he is, uh, 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 you know, stressing and voicing uh, the economic uh, and social frustrations uh, that are in the Italian uh, population due to the COVID restrictions and so forth. Now, you know, there are people who cannot uh, uh, go to school, who cannot uh, 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 keep open their businesses, have to shut down uh, uh, their uh, 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 hospitals, uh, not hospitals, uh, hotels and, uh, and uh, shops, etc., etc. All of this resentment which is growing, uneasiness that is growing in the Italian population, which Renzi it has underlined as one of the reasons why it uh, 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 denounces the, the uh, uh, you know the silence of the of this government about its long-term social and economic intentions beyond the COVID crisis. If Renzi hadn't done so, the right would have you know taken profited from such uh, from such uh, uh, resentment. You know. So in, in other words, he, uh, he is in a sense setting himself at the very center of the Italian uh, 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 political debate, contrary to what so many commentators say. You know, commentators from the from from the opposition parties, of course, they denounce him, but also commentators from the government and the main uh, newspapers and so forth. They still consider him as a irresponsible. Uh, uh, um, conceited kid uh, who is trying to uh, uh, increase his uh, popularity. He is actually both towards the right, as I said, and towards the left. He is trying to collect all these uh, votes of the people who are dissatisfied, both with respect to the, to the uh, Partito Democratico and with respect to the uh, anti-European uh, of the uh, and sov sovereignist attitude of, of the right. Uh, in a sense, he's the fuse of the uh, uh, electrical uh, wiring of Italian politics. But the thing is that I saw that in like some projections of uh, votes for elections, and he's he's not doing well in projections. They estimate him to be like a two three percent. And you need a three percent, a full three percent, to uh, to enter in uh, in parliament. Okay. You could ask but, you could the same question uh, to uh, Bonino and uh, what, what's the name of the other who also have one percent and two percent. They should come together. And, uh, but in any case, you know, uh, 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 he is uh, he is trying to uh, 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 how to say uh, uh, jumpstart, as it were. Uh, um, uh, an engine, not only the government's engine, but the national engine, which is stalled. Because the problem with this Italian government, that is stalled. It has been dealing with the with the pandemic, you know, as as best it could. But uh, nothing else has no no vision 
about the future. And that is not only the vision about the COVID, it's the vision of Italy in, in the European Union. Mm-hmm. Does Italy want to be one of the three, four uh, countries that are going to uh, 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 promote uh, uh, and improve the uh, European uh, Union uh, mechanism and so forth? Does it want to be uh, to, to contribute to the conference on the future of Europe? By the way, eh? something that has been there that Macron has proposed, or does it simply want to complain about what uh, uh, what what Macron does or what, uh, what Mrs. Mrs. Uh, uh, does? You know, yeah. We're always complaining. Italy is complaining about what the others do, but it does not contribute to the uh, uh, political debate that is needed both in Italy and, and in Europe. That is a problem. Yeah, and actually a lack of international view is an issue, especially this year, because now Italy is, um, is uh, took over the presidency of the G20. Of the G20, right. So my question would be like, but, are we going to be able to have a stable government by, <laughs> by the uh, summit? Yeah, but that is a Italy will have a government. I'm not too worried about that. I don't think we will go to the elections. I don't think that uh, the, the, we will have another government, maybe another prime minister, maybe another, another. But you know, the important thing is that you have the parliamentary approval, that you have a majority in parliament for whichever government, new government is going to take over from this one. That is out of and And nobody wants to go to elections nowadays for various reasons, apart from the opposition, of course. Which is which? Which and which? Which is the only one that could that could benefit from it. For the moment, we're not going to do that. Italy is uh, is chairing the G8 uh, for this uh, next year. Uh, it will uh, uh, it will not be able to impress an agenda or indicate some innovative uh, 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 common denominators for the G7, the most important, for the G20, for the 20 most important countries in the world, most relevant countries in the world, Italy will not be able to to, uh, 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 write a song sheet, as it were, for this by itself. It will need to demonstrate and indicate that it is acting on behalf of the European Union. Otherwise, uh, what it says may be interesting, uh, funny, uh, and you know, okay. Uh, uh, and but but if it doesn't have the uh, uh, you know the, the the weight of the European Union uh, behind it, uh, it its influence on international matters, whether in the G8 or otherwise, will be diminished. Yeah. Uh, uh, yep. Now, Luca, uh, if there is a country, you know, the the treaties of Rome, of 1957, of the the European uh, community, were signed in in Rome, Mm. not by chance, but because it was Rome, Gaetano Martino, the foreign minister at the time, a liberal, and who, who, when the uh, uh, European defense community collapsed, uh, fell, uh, 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 what was that, three, four years before, it was Italy who insisted with Belgium, Italy and Spac, you know, Martino and Spac were the ones who brought the negotiators to Messina because Italy needed Europe. Italy could not have done without Europe. So, it, uh, so Italy uh, has been all the while 
the most federalist uh, country among those who belong to the European Union. This is a capital that we have built that corresponds to the Italian interest, national interest, that still does, which must not be uh, uh, left to the uh, vagaries of a very confusing and confused uh, political debate. Um, no, in Italy has always trailed the uh, initiatives of others. Always. European Union was a wonderful thing because, you know, they told us do this, do that, and we did this and that. NATO told us to do this and that, and we did this and that. Uh, because uh, those were the rules of the game to which we look. That game, those games do not exist anymore. The European Union rules are not as strict as they've been in the past with the Euro, for example, and uh, the NATO rules are not as strict. And that is why Italy, all of a sudden, having been a very, you know, disorderly, but in the end, uh, uh, a reliable partner. Mm-hmm. Because Italy was a reliable partner in the European Union. Italy has been a reliable partner in NATO. They told us uh, that we should have put our missiles to counteract the R- Russian missiles and crews and uh, missiles and uh, crews and Pershings against the Russian SS-20s. We did it. We were reliable. But as I said, we were reliable as junior partners, as, as, uh, as um, uh, uh, teenagers of a bigger family. Mm-hmm. Nowadays, we, are, uh, we must uh, be grown-ups and decide what we want to do when we grow up. And Renzi is somebody who is trying to jumpstart the Italian political life that has been dozing off. I really want to thank you for the for the interview. I, if you have any other thing you want to you want to add, I always told my foreign colleagues, diplomats, uh, when I, when I was in the in the diplomatic service, I always told them, "Don't write Italy off. Don't get upset with Italy." Uh, uh, you must uh, encourage Italy. You foreigners, French, Germans, British at the time, Spaniards, what have you, encourage Italy to uh, uh, stand up and do uh, contribute more to foreign policy making, to European foreign policy making. You know, don't write Italy off. Stimulate uh, the Italian in the interest both of Italy and of the European Union and of international relations in general. Thank you very much for the for the interview, um, and uh, we hope that maybe we can have another interview in the future. Whenever about Russia, about China. Uh, thank you. Bye.